0: This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and
1: Gregory.
2: Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle.
3: Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade, and it is a great day to be talking about energy, technology, sustainability, and especially ideas to save money in the process. Today's show is hosted by myself, Tim Eccles, a Georgia Public Service Commissioner, and my friend, State Representative John Noel. Uh, John, you've got solar in your home and rainwater uh, and condensate collection. You drive an electric car and even use Tesla batteries uh, to su- supplement your solar power. Welcome back to the show. I love saving money. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, So it. you are saving money and you're being a, a wise steward of energy, it's great to have you back. Uh, in the studio today we're talking about something I think that's very exciting uh, especially for rural Georgia and it's an opportunity for kids uh, from the country uh, from the rural area to learn more about STEM education science and technology engineering uh, mathematics and doing it in a fun way I mean you were a history major John I was an English major we kind of had to learn on the fly
4: we did but it. I mean, I, I learned, uh, I guess most of what I learned was an ethic, an environmental ethic, a farm ethic, you know, you, you uh, waste not, want not. And then when you get older, you oh, how does that translate? How does that actually mean I could save money or I could help save the planet? Uh, but it's an ethic that you get. And STEM education, to me, seems like the way to start that.
3: You know, think about the University of Georgia and Georgia Tech and Georgia Southern, our, our schools around the state I mean, there are now best practices for how to do all this stuff, and mm-hmm. kids are able to go to school uh, and really learn uh, about the, the best theories, the best methodology mm-hmm. uh, for not only uh, environmental science, but for, uh, for engineering, for uh, reusing, reprocessing, all these things.
4: Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and I, think, and I think in my travels around the state, especially in a county of 14,000 people, Let's think about that. The entire entire county of Macon, where you're from, Maurice, is 14,000 people. So helping them with a low tax base learn something uh, about a new economy and about uh, learning new educational things, I think, would be very helpful. Yeah,
3: let's meet our guest. Maurice Hall from uh, from the Eatonton area, works for the Putnam County Board of Education, and uh, Nyoka Phillips from Macon County, Montezuma, Georgia, uh, not too far from Plains uh, down there, where That's President right. Carter right. from. You guys are very committed to STEM education. Welcome to uh, welcome to Energy Matters today. And Miss Phillips, how did you get involved in uh, in STEM education?
1: Well, we started a, a a nonprofit by the name of Academy One, Academy One Incorporated, and what we actually do is. Um, allow those students, those rural county students, access to new learning opportunities, those learning opportunities that they don't necessarily get a a hold of in the regular classroom. Um, when we look at other counties, we look at the larger ones, those metropolitan areas such as Atlanta, um, Gwinnett, and all those other places. The students have those opportunities. Maybe it's because of the funding. Maybe it's because those teachers have that as their background. But whatever the case, the ones that are in the rural counties don't get that access they get the worksheets they get the pencil and paper and they Mm -hmm. don't get the experience that um our what we're trying to bring will allow them to have
3: yeah and and john you saw this as you travel the state and i see it the the difference between in atlanta and the rest of oh it's night uh, and day of of the state it's Uh, night and day yeah and so you know helping these these kids in the rural area kind of get into the 21st century i mean it, it was maurice uh it was it, the country, uh, the rural part of our state. They were late getting mail service. They were late getting telephone service. Uh, they and were electrical late getting service. Electrical well, that's service. That's what because, the New Deal was part about. The, the yeah. whole cooperatives, yeah. uh, rural cooperatives came about, and they're late getting internet. You still see a disparity down there in in, in rural Georgia with uh, with the STEM education.
5: Yeah, I think there's a huge disparity, um, just with the resources that appear to be available. Or not available to um, these rural communities. Let's talk mm-hmm. about this this
3: camp that you guys did, this STEM camp that uh, that you you found that you you brought kids in and and you had to beg them to leave though because they were so engaged. This was a six week STEM camp that Academy One sponsored, and you started it out, Maurice, with. Uh, a big box of Legos that you gave each kid, and you get you you told them to build a what?
5: Mr. Hill, tell us what STEM stands for. Yeah, first. please. Science, technology, engineering, and math. Boom. Yeah. yeah. So and you you gave them Legos, and it's not a toy in this case; it's something else, right? It's a robot. We told them we gave them the opportunity to build robots of their liking, of their choosing, and I think that uh, allowed their creativity to just um, blossom. Yeah, just mm. blossom. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we used uh, mathematics. Mm. Um, we gave them a certain amount of Legos. Each color Lego had a certain value to it. So everybody got the same value, different colored Legos. And now, based on your 100%, you now have to build a robot based on what you have available to you.
3: Yeah, so, Nyoka, uh, these are second, third, and fourth graders. and Can they... Can they learn these concepts uh, about measurements and uh, other things through fun toys like this? Of course
1: they can. I I think when you present a child with an opportunity and you give them all the tools that they need, they're ready to learn it. And I think having them um, actually come up with the idea themselves helped they also got to collaborate. Um, we th- we're thinking about math, but we're also thinking about that next-generation science standards. They're they're building, they're putting things together, they're collaborating, and they're building those key skills and those, those key capacities that are going to help them um, access greater learning. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they
3: came back the second week, and you guys uh, dialed it up a little bit with a physics lesson about accuracy and distance and variables, and you had them build this time. Catapults.
5: Catapults. Yeah, how did that work? It worked out perfectly, actually. Uh, they, we built the catapults from popsicle sticks, rubber bands, and spoons. Fabulous. We gave them uh, ping pong balls and bocce balls. Fabulous. And the reason for the two different balls was the distance and the weight and accuracy portion of what we were doing. Mm. But fun nonetheless. Yeah, and the third
3: week, you gave them some rice and an old soda bottle, and you're going to teach them about some of the ethic that John mentioned earlier about recycling and
5: repurposing and reusing. How did that work? Again, that was another stellar week. They had the opportunity to um, put rice into an empty bottle, and everyone was asked what that item was, and we had different Opinions of as to what it was, which was great. You mean the final product? The after final you product. Had the, rice yes, the, into final, the bottle. Mm. And we ended up; it was the maraca, mariachi yeah, a music, maracas, a, a musical instrument. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be. So we had a mariachi line. We had fun doing that. We then took uh, glow sticks, dropped them into the bottle, turned the lights out, and we went bowling by night. Very clever. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fun. I mean, John, you think yeah. about.
3: Think about mm. this difference between, I guess, wetting an appetite for something, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, with these kids, and an aptitude, you know, for science. I mean, don't we need to be doing this more in our state and really, in really, kind of, kind of steering and encouraging kids towards these STEM fields because they they pay well.
4: They pay well and they help us be innovative. I just got back from China. I spend a lot of time in my business around the world. And I'm telling you, these folks are going to eat our lunch unless we start moving out of the box. It's not the U.S. You're not competing against Alabama and Tennessee and New York City. You're competing against Shenzhen, China, and other places. And w- that's why we've got to do this. And these this STEM sort of thing makes all the sense in the world to me. But as a kid, we were never interested in that kind of thing. Now you just
3: made it interesting. Yes, and fun. Yeah. yeah. And so, John, you know, in, in China, they put a... They put a put a high priority on STEM education, don't they? And um, those kids it's are going to school. It's almost all STEM education. Yeah, they're going to school yeah. extra and right and, and going uh, yeah. a, above and. There's beyond. a lot
4: of rote learning over there. It's a lot less creative, but as they start to pivot toward a creative rather than rote stuff, we got trouble. And yeah. and uh, anyway, it's it's it is a, it's an evolving economy that only STEM education will help. Pull us out in the long term,
3: yeah, so week four maurice uh, Nayoka, you you ventured to chemistry and you did something really fun and delicious. Tell us about that Naoka. Yes, delicious. We, did. we
1: actually had the students create ice cream in a bag. so basically, they would take a one one ziploc bag and they would fill it with milk, um cream, uh, the sugar, and uh, the rock salt would actually be added to the bag with ice, and the um, bag would be set over inside one another. And they would shake shake the bag, shake the bag, shake the bag until there was a change from just looking at milk. What actually happened as that that um, that that bag was shaken was they were creating their own ice cream I wow, know. and they loved that, so that was that physical science that chemistry that took place with that that experiment mm-hmm. yeah and, and then
3: in the fifth week, you did robotics and engineering, and you actually had them fly Maurice in an elementary
5: type of drone absolutely yeah we had we purchased several drones that were first-level drones, and so the kids had an opportunity to uh, test them out and Go height and distance and speed and, and, and all those sort of things. They had cameras on them, so we were actually able to garner some information from from them and go back and look at it as well.
4: And that's fitting being so close to Warner Robins. I mean, a lot of jobs generated out of Warner Robins, Fort Valley, that whole that sort of uh, military industrial complex that's down there is it would be easily drawn for people to come and do jobs there. So you're interesting them in that sort of
3: thing. Yeah, so in the last few seconds of this segment, tell us about this
5: last week week where you brought out the video cameras and really brought the technology to bear well you know george is the new hollywood and so what we wanted to do was with technology bring to kids the opportunity to experience writing shooting and editing video and the bus drivers actually had to come and get them they had so much fun ah. wow.
1: yeah
3: well this has been great uh, and i'm so excited about what you guys are doing uh, in rural Georgia and certainly as a state official and I want to see all the kids in Georgia John and I know you do too as you've traveled the state you want to see all the kids in no our question. state have every opportunity so thanks for being a part of energy matters and good luck as you guys uh, seek to educate these kids in uh, in rural Georgia thank you so very much thank you for having us thank you
2: Gas South believes in the difference we can all make
6: Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the Project Share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, $2, or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join Energy Matters host Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bill this year. See more at ProjectShareInfo.com. That's ProjectShareInfo.com.
3: And thank you. And it is a great day, as always, to be talking about energy and technology, sustainability, and especially ideas to save money in the process. My host today, uh, co-host today, is former State Representative John Noel. He's an energy efficiency expert and owner of Energy and Environment. John, you've done all of the things that we talk about on this show, and uh, it's not cheap to do this, but you certainly have learned uh the the right way and the wrong way to do uh solar and batteries i mean it's been a good experience for you and you're sharing that with others right as folks want to want to be uh you know good energy stewards that's right yeah so in the studio with us today casey boyce uh casey it's great to have you here you've owned two electric cars you're a marketing guru on all things sustainable welcome to energy matters
0: thank you great to be here
3: you know, John, we've talked before about retrofits and upgrades that people can make on their homes uh, to save energy. John, as you talk to the typical customer who decides to do insulation or windows or they want to put batteries uh, on their home, what is the typical customer who wants to do energy upgrades? What does what that customer look like? What's the profile of that customer? Unfortunately, it's often an affluent
4: customer. It's often someone um, that is interested in doing it because they can afford it. Uh, but as LED prices have fallen and you can go to Home Depot and buy a $1 and $2 LED bulb, now people are starting, everybody's adopting it. But when it comes to doing spray foam insulation, that's a many thousand dollar decision. So a lot of it tears to the affluent customer. And I think what our job here and what this show's job is, is to try and bring ideas that might be lower cost solutions for people so that so quote-unquote the every man can do some of these sort of things yeah. but but the customers are mostly people who have who, who have a desire to do it and now as electricity prices and other utility costs come up we we see a need for it
3: yeah so we've got listeners who may be thinking hey I, I want to do something this year you know on my home I want to try to help save to save energy and certainly if they're a Georgia power customer they can get a free energy audit. Do you normally, John, when you work with a customer, do you normally suggest that they get an energy audit beforehand? Is that something your company's going to do for them? Are you going to get the power company to do it?
4: We're not. Yeah, you know, that's a great point. Uh, If you're in Georgia Power Service territory, they'll do a free uh, energy audit. Now, you know, in fairness, and and it's hard to say no to free, but it's not exactly free. uh, uh, fully contemplative of the whole property I mean it's a, it's a walkthrough essentially uh, blower door tests or some other things that other entities, some of which you can get rebates for from George Power um, uh, are, are available through other companies. We specialize in the commercial market so we understand residential customers but we don't necessarily uh, work specifically with them. Most people are really interested in insulation for comfort. They want to save money, but they're sick and tired of the drafts. So it's that drafty thing that gets people on the insulation piece and on the windows.
3: Yeah, so Casey, you've compiled data about people that do energy efficiency and kind of the nexus between energy efficiency, solar power and electric cars. So Ooh. tell me tell me a little bit about the energy miser, the the person that is going to spend the money on energy efficiency? Sure. Well, you know,
0: as John said, they they do tend to be a little bit more affluent. But energy efficiency has been around for such a long time that it, it is more or less the mainstream consumer that's adopting it. And there's, there's a whole array of things that folks can do to be more efficient, whether it's, you know, Whole house spray foam, which can be very invasive and and expensive, or just changing out light bulbs. Uh, and so, when we look at the you know the average consumer that's done anything around energy efficiency, you know they they care a lot about saving money. They care a lot about comfort, um, uh, as John said. And you know it's pretty widely adopted uh, across the country. You know, somewhere around fifty percent of folks have done some sort of energy efficiency uh, measure to their home.
3: Yeah, and the solar customer. Uh, and you know, I regulate energy here in Georgia along with my colleagues working with, you know, the power company obviously, and solar has continued to grow in popularity here. Tell me about the typical solar customer that you meet.
0: Yeah, so the typical solar customer looks a little bit different. So it's a, a newer technology, at least as far as mass market adoption is concerned. And so those folks mm-hmm. tend to be uh, more early adopters. They're technology focused, they want the newest and latest thing. Uh, they also tend to be uh, more so than the average population, they tend to be male, uh, they tend to be pretty well educated, and have uh, a fairly high household income. Um, that being said, the interest in solar is really high among everyone. So it's not just a wealthy Person's game. And, uh, you know, you've got utilities like Georgia Power and and Cobb EMC that are making solutions available for folks who don't necessarily have the means to put solar on their house, whether it's because, you know, they don't have the money, um, they don't have a roof that's theirs, they could be renting, um, or they, you know, could know that they're moving in a couple of years and don't want to put the investment in. So, you know, as far as who's adopted so far, it's it's the wealthier homeowners. As far as who can adopt, the, the kind of options are available um, more and more to customers uh, really across the state.
3: So when we did the Solarize program down on Tybee Island, uh, and folks know Tybee, it's, a, it's the beach of Savannah. Uh, there were, I think, 600 people who wanted to do solar, but only about 10% of them wound up being able to because there are issues that come up right John as you evaluate your house uh, talk to me about the about the roof condition the roof direction, the trees the you know problems that people, uh, that, that may be there that people never even thought about.
4: That's exactly right. Now, as as we speak, I'm pulling up my not to evade your question. I'm pulling up my app uh, to look at the solar production at my house right now, and at 11:30, I know that the trees that the sun is just coming over the trees, and so. If the trees were to be taller, or if the house were to be in a different position, that 1130 might be 130. Well, heck, then the sun's only shining until really effectively four on that side. So, there's all these other ingredients. And I get people all day, man, I'd love to do solar, but I got trees. And I'm a tree proponent. I'm not proposing we cut trees down. But there are are avenues, opportunities, and customers and bases that are more adapt to, for solar than others my house at this moment is but at 9 30 you'd say it wasn't
3: yeah so casey you think about uh the age of a roof right mm-hmm. i mean these panels they're drilling holes up there right and so uh does a does a person need to think about the age of their roof do they need to replace the roof before they get solar Potentially. And and that's where a
0: good solar company can help you make that evaluation. So you think Mm. about the equipment and the panels and the inverters, all the other equipment that you put up there should have a lifetime of at least 25 years. Uh, which is you know comparable with a good roof right so yeah. you know you want to have a relatively new roof before you put the panels on otherwise at some point in the future before those panels need to be replaced you're going to have to pull them off the roof replace the roof and then put them back on which adds expense uh, so you know I, I know someone personally who was very interested in the solarized decatur Decab cab program and uh, wanted to put solar on on their roof but their roof had hail damage and so they were waiting to replace the roof before they put the panels up there because they didn't want to Go through the trouble and expensive, you know, pulling the panels off and putting them back up
4: as they did their roof. Now, not to get into tax minutiae, but for those that are, are number crunchers and like to uh, stick it to the man when it comes to Uncle Sam, there are commercial people who say, look, my roof is old. It needs to be replaced right now anyway. If I put a solar system on, and I wonder if this is true for residential, so talk to your tax advisor about this. But is it possible then? And and some people tell me it's true on the commercial roofs. If you put a new roof on while you're doing solar, that new roof or a portion thereof is tax creditable, which is a big deal because it's a very expensive thing. So uh, I've seen solar companies make this argument, and I think the IRS has agreed that there's a reasonable amount of that roof that can be tax creditable.
3: Yeah. So how about the the EV driver? Tell me tell me about the typical EV customer, Casey. Yeah, so the typical EV
0: customer looks a lot like the typical solar customer. So it tends to be younger, more well-educated, male, uh, more affluent. Um, again, as some newer models come on the market, um, we are seeing you know interest beyond that customer profile that I just uh, described, um, and you know more for folks able to afford vehicles um, that you know not only are EVs but match their lifestyle. Um, but really, there is a a very strong Kind of cross adoption between folks who drive EVs and have solar, and vice versa. Uh, it seems that you know there's an affinity for new technology among adopters of both, and you know clearly uh, you get uh, interested in the new technologies there.
3: Yeah, so you've had a couple of EVs yourself. Has I have. it been a good experience for your family?
0: It's been a great experience. We've really enjoyed it. Uh, and in fact, uh, my kids who are uh, 10 and, and 8 have started becoming EV evangelists and telling folks that they should buy electric vehicles. Um, we really haven't found any limitations with our EVs. And we've got a couple of the earlier, shorter range versions. So folks who are going out and shopping for a new EV right now uh, are going to run into even fewer limitations.
3: Yeah, so you've had a couple. I've had three, and mine have all been shorter-range EVs. And I also found that, you know, having an EV in the family, somebody was going on a short run that day, whether it's to school or to the grocery store uh, and or even me driving to the capital. It was 54 miles, and I could charge there as long as I didn't have a lot of other areas to, that I needed to go to. But it was really something where if you planned – it would work, and John, you've got a longer mm-hmm. range EV. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, that's right, and 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 I, but I still plan too. I thought about it before I came up here. You know, it's uh, sixty-five miles from Atlanta to here, uh, and so I had about one hundred and ninety miles of range. And if I want a hot rod, and I occasionally it'll do that in the HOV lane, well, then you gotta you gotta account for that. I'm a numbers guy. What is the adoption numbers on those EV? Things?
0: Yeah, so uh, when we look nationally, adoption is in the low single digits percentages, um, which kind of squares with. What but isn't we're it coming up? It is coming up. Mm. So, uh, in fact, I just saw some numbers the other day that uh, in California, 10% of new vehicle 10%. registrations were EVs. And um, what's interesting, when we look at our data nationally, is that there's more interest about this stuff in the South than there is even in California. Yeah, that's cool.
3: Hey, I want to keep this conversation going uh, about EVs because they are tutors and uh, and can really help people learn about energy savings. So let's continue talking with Casey Boyce and about all things that we've learned from electric vehicles. You're listening to Energy Matters.
1: This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Bello
3: Solar. Hey, welcome to Energy Matters. This is a show to help you save money, to use technology, and to be more sustainable. In the studio, we've got Casey Boyce, a senior product director from Market Strategies International, as well as my uh, guest co-host, uh, State Representative John Noel of Energy Environment. We're talking about uh, about saving money, about what customers are, are like and their profile. Customers that maybe lean towards electric vehicles or uh, or, or doing energy efficiency or Who solar. Who buys and, solar? Yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah. And so there's a, a group in Atlanta that uh, the group is uh, it's called Smart Energy Consumer Collaborative. And I've used their studies a lot. And I know folks in our Athens listening area really appreciate, uh, you know, academic uh, research and uh, and so this is a nonprofit, and they seek to develop a broad understanding of consumer views about grid modernization, electricity delivery, and energy usage. Casey, we know those guys there, Patty and Jonathan and Nathan, and I want to talk about their study in consumer profiles. And folks can see it at smartenergycc.org. But uh, let, let's talk about how does a person first develop an interest in energy? How do you see that? kind of evolving? Uh, we've talked about STEM education before and taking a second or a third or fourth grader. Casey, how do you see people developing an interest in energy efficiency or solar or batteries or uh, or electric vehicles? How does it happen?
0: It, so it really depends on on where you are. So, uh, Tim, you may not know this about me, but I actually worked with a smart, uh, it was called the Smart Grid Consumer Collaborative before they changed to smart energy and, and so helped, uh, helped them develop some of their, their research on this. Um, you know, Part of it is life stage. So, you know, are you fresh out of college? You don't have a whole lot of money. You're renting. Um, you may be really interested in energy because you're thinking about the environment, but you don't have a whole lot of money, and you can't really uh, invest in in where you live. Um, you know or are you in your peak earning years and you know you're really interested in um, you know what new technology is bringing things like smart thermostats or uh, you know smart home devices that can help you better manage your energy usage and, and comfort um, or you know are you retired and you know have relatively low energy bills and say you know I'm kind of I'm good with where I'm at I don't need new technology uh, to, to help uh, me manage anything so you know it, it really kind of depends on where folks are are, um, and I think, you know, in general, people are concerned about energy, um, particularly as it relates to environmental impact, uh, but again, people are in different places to be able to spend time and, and resources on doing something about it at a personal level.
3: Yeah, so let's talk about these categories of consumers that, that they've looked at, and I, I guess, John, you and I probably would be considered maybe a green champion. I think, uh, Casey, I mean, would you put us in that category as green champions, and what, what does that mean? and and are John and I green champions?
0: Yeah, I, I would uh, definitely think that that you and John fit in that category of green champions. And and these are folks for whom not only is the environmental impact that they have through using energy important to consider, but they also are very interested in and are actually adopting technologies to help them reduce their impact. So the fact that both you guys uh, are longtime EV drivers and you know work in the field have have put uh, you know energy efficiency measures. In your own homes, um, certainly puts you in that uh, that category. That and it's a pretty significant uh, portion of customers nationwide. It's about a third of people, um, and so you know you don't necessarily think of you know a third of people as being greenies necessarily. But I don't necessarily think of you guys as being greenies, right? But you've made some uh, significant commitments to help reduce your impact and costs. Uh,
4: that would be an insult. I am a total greenie. <laughs> Apologies, <Complete> John. Tree hugger tree hugger. Yeah,
3: yeah. So you are. You are a greenie and John I've been to your house and seen the stuff that you've done but you also feel like you're kind of an entrepreneur. You you've done some very creative things on your property, you know, mm-hmm. like you know, like uh, how you heat your pool and and getting that water from your air condition. You know, to a barrel so that you can use it on your on your plants.
4: Maybe that moves me into that other category of savings seekers because I'm uh, well, I am Presbyterian and we are you know tight as a tick, uh, and uh, I think that that has to do with uh, with being frugal. And so I think it's a I think it's a complete interconnect between being uh, you know a steward of the environment, using less to do something, and also being. That Presbyterian uh, stickler for for penny pinching, and and I, uh, I and I suit both of those categories.
3: Yeah, so we're talking about this smart energy study. You can see it at smartenergycc.org. It's a great site, and I highly recommend it. Let's talk about this saving seeker, the second category. Of person, tell us about that person, Casey.
0: Yeah, so they tend to be more focused on, as John said, saving money, um, and so the environmental impact is less of a concern for them. Uh, and essentially, they're saying, "Look, if there's a new technology that can help me manage my energy and and save me some money, then you know that's something that I'm absolutely willing to adopt." And so, you know, something like EVs, something like a smart thermostat, definitely fits that category for that kind of uh, customer. And it's that, cool; people like cool. People like cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but these guys, you know, they tend not to be as, uh, you know, you think about early adopters, right? And there's mm-hmm. another group, the the movers and shakers, that, that tend to be more the early adopters and mm-hmm. say, what's new and cool that you can give me? The saving seekers are a little bit more kind of conservative
3: in outlook. Interesting. How does a saving seeker discover that they can actually save money? If they're not a green champion and they're not trying the stuff first, how do they actually hear about the stuff to actually do it?
0: Yeah. Well, and that's one area where, you know, utilities in particular struggle is reaching customers. Um, You know, there's a really tough time breaking through all of the marketing clutter that's out there from a lot of different companies. Um, But a lot of people have exposure to it. You know, going to the utilities website, there may be a little, um, you know, link to, you know, do a home energy audit, uh, whether it's an online thing or have someone come out. Um, It could be that they're, you know, uh, browsing the internet and, you know, happen upon on some smart home stuff and say, hey, this sounds cool, and maybe this saves me some money, and, and you know, we'll, we'll go uh, uh, explore that. So, you know, people really come in uh, through different avenues, um, but uh, it, it's it's tough given everything else that's out there and the competing priorities. So let's, t-
3: hmm. let's talk about saving seekers in these electric cars that we have in Georgia and the previous tax credit that we had. How much do you think of, of the electric car – revolution that we had here in Georgia in 2013, 14, and 15, how much of it was really uh, built around saving money versus a person being uh, a green champion?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think certainly for um, the average Georgian, uh, it was around saving money, and that tax credit had a very big impact. So if you look at the uh, sales, John and I were talking about it a little bit during the break, uh, Tesla's were unaffected by the, the tax credit going away. Um, but the Nissan Leaf, the most affordable electric car available in Georgia, man, their sales tanked after that tax 80%. credit. Eighty percent, yeah. So I mean, it, it's a big impact for those people who are looking to save money by driving in an EV by not having that tax credit
4: available. Well, to and then vehicle. you also have re- not just a tax credit going away; you have regressive taxes like like the uh, the two hundred dollar EV uh, charge that's on your that's on your on your car tag thing, and it, which which is just way out of whack with with the with the footprint that an electric car. Puts on the road, Uh, so you have you have it both ways. You take the tax credit, then later you whack them with a regressive tax.
3: Yeah, and and you know I think until we correct those two two programs, we're not going to see the growth happen again unless these cars just really drop off in price what's the third category of customer
0: yeah so there there are actually uh another three um so we've covered about half the customer base with the green champions and the saving seekers um the next one is status quo and those are the folks that you know they're pretty happy with the way that they're you know Mm -hmm. relating to their utility and their energy and you know technology around that they're really tough to get uh in touch with uncle fred Uncle, yeah, Uncle Fred. Mm. Um, he didn't want to do anything. He so, want to do anything. Um, you know,
4: he was boring at th- at dinner too. The other yeah,
0: night. they're only eighteen percent. There's, uh, you know, not that many Uncle Freds out there. Are uh, low
3: income customers in that category?
0: Not necessarily. Um, so, uh, low income customers tend to be more in the saving seekers. Um, you do have some in the status quo, but mostly because they're retirees on fixed incomes. Um, but they also have fairly low energy costs.
3: Yeah. So, if you think about this prepay program that. Georgia Power has, and, and I think Gas South has a prepaid program for natural gas. We are seeing that, that customers are saving about 11% on their bill. Why is that? Why does a, They're not getting a different rate. Why, why are those people saving money? Because you've got to
0: pay attention to it. So if you think about how you drive a car, we'll use a gas car, for example. Sorry, John. What? What, <laughs> what is that? <laughs> well, no, no. You think about it. You go and you fill up, and you put money in your tank. You know how much is in your tank, That's right. and you watch it, and That's you manage right. that, right? That's right. Um, and so it's the same way when you're prepaying for energy. You put dollars into the tank for the energy. You watch how much you're using, and you're more likely to conserve. So you're saving that money.
3: Yeah. How about the fourth category?
0: All right. So our fourth category is technology cautious. So uh, that's about 17 percent of folks nationwide. And, you know, those folks are um, sort of, uh, as the name implies, they might be interested in new energy management technologies, but you kind of have to prove it to them a little bit. Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. So are they going to get a thermostat, programmable thermostat first? Are they going, you know, as they're as they venture into technology, or is it going to typically be something else?
0: Yeah. So, in terms of where they they enter, you know, quite potentially, right? I mean, p- uh, programmable thermostats are uh, more or less ubiquitous. Um, the smart thermostat category is growing pretty quickly. In fact, we just saw in in our research at Market Strategies, uh, smart thermostats eclipsing programmable thermostats for the first time earlier this year mm-hmm. uh, in terms of adoption. Um, so, you know, it may very well be that is the entry point for those folks. How about
3: the fifth category?
0: All right. Fifth category is movers and shakers. So oh, yeah. um, these guys, they're uh, the smallest group, 15 percent uh, nationwide. Uh, they tend to be really interested in the stuff. They tend to be pretty affluent. It's, uh, you know, the the group that I described earlier as, as being more likely to adopt EVs or, or solar. Um, they're also pretty skeptical of utility offerings. So, you know, they're mm-hmm. just as likely to go to a third party to John's company or mm-hmm. someone else to get –
4: they want, as they are, to go to their utility. Having been the person that had the first Tesla Powerwalls in Georgia and batteries, I absolutely was adamant about it, because I want energy independence, and I want to stick it to the utility companies.
3: Yeah, so John may be a part of that technology, I mean, a part of that cautious group, because he, he does have kind of a cynical view, you know, towards you know, towards a utility. Well, this has been great, Casey. Thanks for sharing the research from uh, smartenergycc.org. I hope you'll take a look at that. Energy Matters is all about helping you save money to be able to use technology and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Thanks, and we'll be back.
2: Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care.
6: Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the Project Share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, $2, or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join Energy Matters host Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bill this year. See more at ProjectShareInfo.com. That's
3: ProjectShareInfo.com. And thank you. Hey, this is Commissioner Eccles, and we're on Energy Matters today. This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden & Gregory. It's a law firm uh, down at Atlantic Station, and they're very involved with the solar community in Georgia. In fact, they sponsor the annual solar conference, and uh, the firm is named after Ellis Arnold, uh, the former governor of Georgia, and uh, he had quite quite an impact. And John, I don't know if you know this, but L.S. Arnold was key to making the Public Service Commission a constitutional I did not know that. Wow. uh, Before Hmm. uh, the Public Service Commissioners could be fired by the governor. And he made, uh, just after Talmadge uh, was governor, he came in and he made uh, the Public Service Commission Gave and a number of yeah. other offices, constitutional office offices, which huh. means they couldn't be just uh, routinely fired by the governor.
4: The so. history major getting schooled. Yeah. I hate this, Tim.
3: So uh, sorry about that. Yeah. So, but I am on the Public Service Commission. I definitely have an, an interest in this. But <laughs> so, thanks a lot to uh, uh, to to John uh, Gornall and everybody down at uh, at AGG. We appreciate your sponsorship. We've got Casey Boyce, John, in the studio with us again. And Casey really is an expert in so many, uh, so many areas when it comes to sustainability. He's the product uh, director for Market Strategies International. Guys, all three of us uh, have, you know, own, owned electric cars. We've driven electric cars. We've got our stories to tell. And I would say all three of us are evangelists for electric cars. I mean, Casey, what is it going to take? Given that we don't have a tax credit in Georgia anymore, what's it going to take? Uh, what's going to be the tipping point for the average person to try an electric car in their family?
0: It's going to be butts and seats. I mean, you guys know once you drive an electric car, you know how cool they are, how fun they are to drive. And I think getting more Georgians in electric cars just to try them out, no pressure. That's right. Try You're it out. Right. See how you like it. Uh, yeah talk so, to people who own it. Yeah. You know, I was talking
3: right. to Corey at Lyft the other day. he uh, He works for Lyft, and he said that they are really making an effort to uh, to stand up some electric cars here in yeah. Atlanta, in the Atlanta market for Lyft. and and frankly, I, and I saw this in Portland, Oregon, John, uh, with with Uber out there that when people ride in an electric car, it doesn't matter whether they're driving or they're in the front seat or the back seat, that's Mm -hmm. good for electric vehicles, isn't it?
4: It's great, and uh, I think people people know it. I I picked up a fellow the other day who had never been in an electric car before, sitting in the back seat, and said, this is partial electric, isn't it? And I said, that's completely electric. He said, oh, it's really smooth. And I mean, it is. It's, it's just quiet. People don't people don't really realize how much noise an infernal combustion—pardon uh, me—an internal combustion car makes. And uh, and 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 I, you know, I speak to recognizing that ninety-five percent of people listening are have those cars or riding down the road in those cars. It's fine. I had one, loved it, until I rode an electric car.
3: Yeah, so you and I, all of us have ridden people in our cars before, driven people in our cars before. But having a rideshare or a cab company give dozens of rides per day, to me it seems like uh, the, the, this rideshare piece and the cab piece of it uh, could really accelerate things. I don't know. You think you think that's pie in the sky, case? Here? No, I
0: think that's right on. So let me tell you guys a story. So uh, I've been driving an electric car since 2014. What do you have? I've got a, a BMW i3. Oh, rough uh, living. Yeah. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, very fortunate. Uh, uh, bought uh, bought my first one re- just before the tax credit expired. Um, but so uh, when when my wife uh, was up for a new car, um, she is not the most you know technology forward early adopter kind of person. So she is not the typical EV she's not buyer listening today. Hmm. Uh, I hope she's not listening today. I'm sorry, honey, if you are. Um, but when it was time for a new car, she insisted, "I'm getting an EV." And so we're now a two EV family because she loved riding nice. in my car. She loved driving right. it, and she said, I, "I'm getting an EV." There's there's no question about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So I think about you know my girls. I have four girls, and three of them really spent a lot of time in those electric vehicles. My wife as well. They liked it because it was quiet. Exactly what you're talking about. And my boys, uh, they liked it for the fact that they didn't have to spend any money on gas, and that they could come home, plug it into the garage and and save money so you know i i think that and this is what i tell families look if you've got multiple cars in your family one of them should be should be an ev but getting them to to step out and do that is an altogether different different challenge. I mean, John a, Yeah, what,
4: yeah, that, that that's true. All getting them to step out, but sometimes in the safety and security people or, the, or earlier uh, segment we were talking about uh, people who sort of more, you know, want to understand what the what the math looks like yeah, on it and all these kind of things. Folks, saving yeah. seekers. Or how about just personal safety seekers and I'll explain we've had a lot of hurricanes that come through and all the ramifications of these storms and uh, we gas gets gas uh, gets disrupted. Gas stations go down. You say, "Well, well, power goes down." Well, guess what? There's always power somewhere that's up, but gas stations go down. It is hard to get, and, and, and when refineries go down, gas prices spike. Wouldn't it be nice in a family to have an internal combustion—pardon me, internal combustion car—and an electric car by having a dual fuel experience? You, you, you increase the opportunities for your family to have driving options when all heck breaks loose.
3: Yeah. So, KT, if If someone came to you and said, I'm thinking about getting an electric car, what kind of diagnostic questions would you ask them? to make sure that they got the right vehicle and that they had a good experience?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, it starts as most car buying experiences do, saying, you know, how frequently do you drive? How much are you looking to spend? And is there a kind of car that appeals to you? And, you know, the good news is that there are options out there now, both on the used and the new market for electric vehicles, that fit most lifestyles and budgets. So, that's the good news. Um, And then, you know, you can kind of look at it and say, okay, you know, given your driving habits, would a short-range EV, something like a used Nissan Leaf, would that fit what you need to do if you're driving, you know, four miles to work every day or four miles to school? No problem. Um, but if you've got a longer commute, like you do down into uh, downtown Atlanta, you know that that short-range EV may be a little bit more of a challenge. So maybe you want to look at a plug-in hybrid or something of that nature, where you get the benefits of electric when you're running to the store, but you can do those longer trips uh, when you need to. Um, so really, that's kind of the starting point: is you know, how much you're looking to spend. What do you want it to do?
3: So, John, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've had three electric cars, and I never drove any of those cars to Macon or to Savannah. So, for five years of uh, of electric vehicles, I never could leave and go statewide. Do you take your Tesla all over the state? Well, that it, it, does that work? Is the Pope you, Catholic? Yes. Do, do you fret about it? Is it something? No.
4: Yeah, no, so, I'm all over the place. Why? Because in Tesla's case, yes, the battery's big. But they have this charging infrastructure, and it's fast. Down the road here in Athens, there's a spot. In Atlanta, there's a spot. In Macon, there's a spot. In Tifton, there's a spot. In Savannah, there's a spot. And 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 by the way, I might add, there are some mighty fine wineries up in uh, North Georgia that have destination chargers. Those that are not quite as fast as a Supercharger, but you pull in and can do that. So there's a there's a charging infrastructure out there that charges at a faster rate. Than some other electric cars, but even level two chargers in other places work out pretty fine. Yeah, and you know we've
0: taken our short range EVs as far as Nashville, um, and you can oh, use, wow, yeah. So you can use uh, some of the fast chargers along the highway. Uh, the one interesting experience that we had going to Nashville is uh, if you've ever done that drive going up and over the hill at, at Mont Eagle, Oh yeah, you got to get a little bit more uh, charge just to make it to the next fast charger. There is a level two charger up there. And uh, we spend, which is a slower. It's faster than plugging into an outlet, but it's slower than the fast uh, chargers. Yeah. And we were up there for a good uh, hour and a half at about uh, eight o'clock at night. Oh. And uh, you know, I'll tell you what though. There's a country store there, and yep. so we were up there and we smokehouse. Yeah. We wandered. Oh, yeah. And we had some great brisket. Yeah. And you know, kids had a good time. So it, it all it's worked the out. It's experience, and yeah. that's
4: the other thing is a community culture gets created around this. I cannot tell you how many new friends, how many interesting stories I've heard at the tesla chargers all of families showing up
3: all these people it's amazing yeah so when you think about deals out there you mentioned these used nissan lease. i mean i guess the 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 folks that got yeah. in on the last tax credit that would have been june of 2015 and so if they had a two-year lease they would have turned it in june of 17 three-year lease june of 18 hmm. so those cars have gone back to the leasing company now and uh, Do they wind up here in Atlanta, or did folks from other states and other countries get those? Uh Casey? My understanding is that a lot of them have been exported out of the state.
0: That said, you can still definitely still uh, get some good deals on used electric vehicles. The other cool thing is that there are other states like California and Massachusetts that have even bigger incentives on EVs. And so there are vehicles that are available in those states that aren't available here in Georgia, but they're coming off lease, uh, and you can get them here now. So huh. an example is a Volkswagen Golf. So it's an electric Golf. Cool little family hatchback, lots of room. Never sold in Georgia, but you can pick them up used here for a pretty good
3: deal. Yeah, Uh, what about the used Tesla market, John? Do you see? It's actually pretty good. Yeah. So where where do you you buy those on Craigslist or where do you 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 find them? You can get on Tesla Tesla
4: on their website. List them. So they have uh, they they sell new and they sell used and they show them and they go through all the all the uh, you know approvals and everything all the checks and balances that the that the maintenance people do, but the prices are pretty low. What I, about I've been that, impressed.
3: That new Tesla, uh, I'm seeing more and mo- more of those. Uh, those Model are three. in the thirty or forty thousand dollar range. what are you hearing <laughs> about those? They're not
4: yet. They're they're saying uh, uh, it, it's fifty thousand. It's forty nine thousand. Uh, $1,000 extra if you want to get anything other than black, which is a great reference back to the Model T. You know, we we make every color you want as long as it's black. But they do have a few color choices, but it's an extra $1,000. So it's about a $50,000 car. They're saying another year or two to get to that $35,000 yeah, car. So
3: let, let's wrap up this segment and talking a little bit about low-income customers. I'm having more mm. and more people, Casey, ask me about equity. In just the remaining 30 seconds here... Do you see these vehicles working for low-income customers?
0: They work just as well for low-income customers as anyone else. I think the challenges we talked about before is getting butts in seats and getting folks used to the idea of buying one.
3: You know, I think about single moms maybe who uh, otherwise may go to some uh, buy here, pay here lot. So certainly something to think about. Well, if you want to know more about electric cars, you can certainly go to my website, com or just go to Google and type in electric cars, and you'll get all you want to – want to see about that. You're listening to Energy Matters, and we hope you'll join us for the next show.